Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. The guest has arrived. The host is prepped and ready. Ladies and gentlemen, this is One on One with Bill Alexander. Hi, everybody. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and welcome to One on One with Bill Alexander. Well, this is a real treat for me today because, as most of you know, Monday through Friday, from 5.30 in the morning, actually 7 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon. I am a school teacher. And over the last two years, I found an individual that was producing his own TikTok, YouTube, whatever it may be. And he was a former teacher by the name of Devin Siebel. Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. So we, I noticed, I found you actually when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. because a lot of us teachers were having a difficult time dealing with what we were dealing with. We weren't used to being at home. We weren't used to teaching online. We weren't used to any of that whatsoever. But there were a lot of people like you who either taught or did teach who felt that they could put a little bit of humor in our lives, which was quite enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, you know, I was doing videos long before, uh, COVID happened. And then the good news is, is that, you know, that kind of took off during COVID, which was fantastic. You know, people were home uh, looking for stress relief. And I, I had already put out so many videos that I was like, perfect. You know, I can kind of uh, go into what we're feeling. And, and uh, it was an interesting transition, though, because I went from what uh, teachers experience, you know, in the classroom, to what teachers were going through almost in real time. Right. And so that was kind of where it uh, got a little uh, weird because it was all like current event stuff. Even looking back on some of the, the videos I did in 2020, you know, I was like, man, you know, some of that was just just happening right at the time. So it was a good outlet because we were all scared. We all were kind of unknowns and, and stress. And it was it was awesome to, to provide a little bit of um, levity to the situation. So how many years did you teach and what did you teach? I taught 13 years um, and I was three years in middle school. Uh, the rest of it was high school. It was all social studies um, and uh, it was literally every single subject you could imagine. Every single, I, I went through it and I think honestly, every possible social studies subject that the students could take, I taught. It was sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, all the grades and uh, all the social studies topics. And where were you teaching at? Just, I know, don't give me the school, but just give me the area you were teaching in. Yeah, Polk County, Florida, Polk County, sandwiched between Orlando and uh, Tampa. It's it's the the stepchild that none of them want to own up to. <laughs> Sounds like where I'm at, and I'm in southwestern Pennsylvania. I think a lot of teachers were able to relate to what you were talking about, especially when it came to funding, because the money is not there. And you're dealing with Ron DeSantis in Florida, which I feel so bad for. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's 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 so interesting because, it, you know, the 
Florida is a very divided political state, but uh, when you talk to almost any teacher, we, you know, it's one of those things where Ron could show up at your house and, and babysit your kids for, you know, the afternoon and, and buy you a steak dinner. But we know exactly what, how he's, how teachers have been treated in the state. Every time we see things in the news, you know, it's just like, oh, come on. It's just another ploy, you know, and it, it, it never works out for us ever. So I'm going through the list of, of some of the videos that you did. And some of them that I think are very interesting is um, the one that you just did a year ago, almost a true teacher's retirement speech. <laughs> so I love that video. It never got the traction that I was really hoping it would get. And I think it was because I was uh, uh, dressed like Gandalf. I don't think people could relate to it as much. I thought it would be funny to look just ancient, like you are really are retiring. And then I think one of the jokes in there was that I was only like 25 or something in the end. And uh, I, th I thought it was a great uh, bit. It, that one had a little bit of a uh, funny story behind that one. That one had a little bit of animosity in it too, you know, cause I, I was just uh, coming off of teaching. I did my very first video after I quit teaching was the retirement video. And uh, that was a, a teacher's retirement letter. And, uh, you know, it started with dear uh, overlords of Hades, you know, oh no, 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 backspace, backspace, a little too much, you know, let's, yeah. you know, that one was a great video, got millions of views and uh, people were like, oh, it's so funny. And I was like, it's actually just my retirement like speech, <laughs> you know, like it, it was literally my my quitting speech and my retirement speech and all the things you always want to say. And uh, and it, it took, you know, I, I true story. I wrote the the um, the quitting uh, uh, video ages before I actually uh, quit. <laughs> and, and I just didn't want to do it. Cause I was like, man, they're going to be on me for this one. And the second I quit, I was like, all right, time to record it. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. I've been teaching now I'm in my 23rd year mm -hmm. and I'm so close to retirement, but I never expected teaching to be my full-time career because I thought that I would go out enjoy the schedule while my kids were young then when my kids were older i'd be able to leave and so on and so forth but i'm still here because finally at the end there's some light at the end of the tunnel but you have made a lot of your videos relevant to what's been going on for example parents versus teachers on the mask mandate which is what i'm dealing with right now in pennsylvania because our state supreme court just threw the mask mandate out and all these school districts are going optional with the masks, but the teachers are furious because we don't understand why everything, everything changed from Friday to this Monday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to, especially with what, you know, you guys are going through now is kind of what we went through when we had our big blow up, you know, uh, a few months ago. And, and it was funny because I actually traveled up that way and did shows and everybody, nobody had, you know, any regard for it. And I was like, it's coming. I, was yes. like, I said, you, you guys are going to get it soon. I said, we're Florida's just the first. And, uh, and, and sure enough, that battle, it's, it's interesting to see the battles you guys are fighting now were the same ones we were fighting, you know, a few months ago. Luckily numbers here are, are a lot lower now, but uh, who knows, you know, it may go back up, but yeah, to answer your question, that, that video was very controversial in the sense that there was a lot of people uh, that, really supported it. But the interesting thing I find about my um, 
my videos in now anyways, is the first five days is teachers that right. comment on it, love it, support it. Oh my gosh, that's just what I'm going through. And then they all share it. And then uh, it takes about five days is when it is, when, when the outside people start kind of chiming in and then it becomes just a, a literal snowball fight in the, in the, <laughs> and I say snowball to be G rated, but right. there's a lot of throwing of things going back and forth. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, it's always crazy to read those comments and stuff, but th- that, that one heated up and it heated up for all the wrong reasons. I wanted to prove a funny point, but you know, all the engagement was all people arguing. Well, what's interesting is I'm afraid to share your stuff on on my page because I do work with a lot of teachers and a lot of administration. And I'm afraid if I share it, my admin will see it and go, oh, so that's how he feels, which 99% of the time, that's how I feel because I agree with you for the most part. And it's just one of those things. How do you walk that tightrope back and forth to be able to do it without offending somebody and yet making them laugh all at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do, but it's, you know, um, I, I don't get too controversial. I just try to play into the jokes and, and that's kind of where I stand. But a true, true thing is, is when I first started doing teacher videos, it was everybody was so scared to share videos. I would get yes. messages all the time or comments going, man, I wish I could share that. I wish I could. Oh, that's so funny. I wish I could share it. And people would tell me even at work, they'd be like, Hey, I saw it, but I didn't comment. Cause I didn't want people to see I comment. And I have seen since COVID happened and TikTok too, there's been a dramatic shift in the, the kind of bravery that teachers are showing. Cause and I don't know if it's the shortage. I don't know if it's just, uh, the power in numbers thing where they see other teachers doing it, but there's a lot of outspokenness, if, even in videos that they're sitting in their classroom being very outspoken or saying they hate their job. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even go that far, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, what's really interesting is I teach communications and English and I, my communication class, I actually showed one of your videos the other day in the class and was talking about, so is he taking, is he, is he looking at a situation? Is he capitalizing on it? Is he taking it to the extreme? Is this true? Is it not true? And everything else. And it was very interesting to hear the kids chime in on it because they do see a lot of the things that we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They do. And they recognize it and they, 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 and they're the first, I mean, when I first uh, started becoming unhappy with teaching, uh, I had students that acknowledged that and told me that. And they told me before I recognized it myself. I thought I was just in a slump or, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's something else going on, you know, uh, trouble at home. You know, maybe I'm just, uh, you know, out of shape. If I I haven't worked out in a while, it's just my, you know, I'm just getting mood. And then I started to realize now the kids were right. The kids see it before we do every time. And the thing that gets me about it is, is that, I, I love working with the kids. It's dealing with the adults that I have the issue with. And it's not the teachers, it's the admin. And boy, I shouldn't have just said that because they're going to be watching this. But uh, <laughs> Because again, it's like they haven't been in the classroom in 10, 15 or 20 years, and they just assume that they remember what it's like. 
Yeah, yeah. And and to be honest with you, it's not just like when I say admin uh, to to kind of lean into what you said, when I say admin, I don't necessarily always mean my admin. I mean, just teachers in general and what they're going right. through, because I see videos and stories and things like that. And it's it's bothersome. You know, you really want administration to step up, but you also know that sometimes they're just such a big disconnect from teaching and and uh you know what what we're doing uh teaching and and administration there's a big disconnect between those two offices and uh, i and the, you know i sometimes uh get frustrated when it with it but then i also think how much stuff they have on their plate i don't know anything about it you know they get hundreds of emails a day and parents and you know i want to speak to this person and they they're the you know so I don't know. I, I sometimes feel like they need to be more involved. And I sometimes feel like maybe I should be more receptive to them. And right. it's kind of a, a back and forth. Well, what I think is interesting is not only are you doing these videos, there's a lot of people doing it. And then as of last week, some of the things that you talked about, ABC now has a TV series called Abbott Elementary that was poking fun at the same thing that you were poking fun at a year or two, uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, I, my my jokes get stolen all the time. I'm sure it's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't I don't I I it's funny. I I say that to be honest with you. I I've used to post a lot on Twitter, and right. then um, I started watching uh, the the burn with Jeffrey Ross, and one of the writers from that was following me, and I would see my jokes every, every night. I would see my jokes on the burn, uh, but Jeffrey oh, that's Ross. Funny. And I was that's like, hey, it's flattering, but also I'm like, I'm not getting paid. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing where as a comedian, I, I love producing the stuff. I love seeing it replicated. I love seeing the jokes being out there and, and seeing it's almost sort of a, vin, you know, uh, an interesting vindication to what you're doing. Um, there was a, uh, uh, an actual script that I wrote uh, that I shared with my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, this is a script that I wrote. I'm thinking about doing it. And literally that week, SNL did it almost word for word. Now, it wasn't them copying me, but it was in my mind like, wow, you know, I wrote something that's on par with something right. that's on SNL and it felt great, you know, so I kind of take it in stride and uh, it's great to me. Any any humor in teachers lives that we can get, that's that's uh, a plus, whether it's from me or other comics. So of all the videos you've done, do you have a favorite, say, two or three or that you've done? Uh -huh. Um, well, there's one that I did where I wore makeup and that was actually fun because there's so many, uh, yeah, it's teacher makeup, uh, tutorial that I did. It didn't get as much. <laughs> I know I, I literally was putting on makeup the whole time and it didn't get as much traction, but I had fun making it. <laughs> and uh, after, after there was, after the video, there was a lot of outtakes that I had to put from just crying, laughing. Cause it was so ridiculous. Um, and then there was, uh, my other favorite one was the teacher cribs where we, uh, like I did a professionally shot, like where I actually had a guy, the, the guy that shot that actually shoots the promo footage for NASCAR. Oh, and wow. Okay. He, he's a friend of a friend and he was in town and he had full setup. So everyone commented, they were like, wow, you're really stepping up your game. I'm like, ah, temporarily just till he leaves, <laughs> you know, but I really liked shooting that one because it came out just looking really professional. They did. He did great on the editing. It looked like it was legit off of MTV. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, the one, the one, the ones that I thought was um, hilarious, because again, I teach technology is the technology in the classroom or the outdated technology in the classroom. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and the stuff that, especially the shelf that's supposed to be locked, but yet it's unlocked because you're hoping someone steals it. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> yep. A lot of us can deal yeah. with that. And uh, the, the other one was the, the hilarious teacher furniture in the classroom. Yep. And both of those are shot the same week. And both of those I didn't think would get any traction. I literally thought of that stuff and shot it probably within 20 minutes. The entire thing was on the, on a whim. And uh, I was just walking around my room, just shooting stuff. And I think those two videos combined have like 15 million views. It's absurd. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm looking at the teacher furniture. I've dealt with that in the last few weeks because I've had desks break while students were sitting in them because the legs would Mm -hmm. just get out. They were so old, but again, it's just one of those, one of those situations we're trying to deal with it. So have you always wanted to do comedy? Um, so yeah, and that's, that it goes back quite a ways. I mean, when I was a a student, I would do sketches in class. That was like my preferred, I would, I was very introverted, but the second they were like, you can do a sketch or act out something and I would make it as funny as can be loved it. Went into um, college, started writing on Facebook. I actually wrote something called the Mainstream Newsletter, and it had a huge bunch of subscribers. It was a, an early Facebook group where I would send out mainstream mail every day and make fun of stuff in pop culture. And then uh, I did MySpace blog that had like thousands of views. I ended up doing a blog of my own, which had 250,000 visitors a week. And then wow. um, and then I switched over to doing stand-up because I really like that. So it's always kind of been some sort of creative outlet or writing some sort of comedy. I just, I, I, I literally have notebooks full of comedy that I haven't even touched that I just write down stuff. And, and I'm like, okay, one day this, one day that, you know, I'll figure this out. And it's just there. So what threw you into education then? Um, I was originally looking into psychology, but I had a professor that was really awesome and talked me into education. And I did have a fantastic high school teacher that was in social studies that really enjoyed his job, the amount of happiness. And he used to throw jokes in nonstop. So I I kind of uh, was envisioning myself being like him. And uh, I thought it, uh, I thought of it as a potential career, but then when I went to college and had an advisor that was the head of the education department and he talked me into it, then it was kind of, uh, you know, that was the way to go. And um, it worked out well. I mean, I really enjoyed teaching. I, I had other job opportunities. I was offered, you know, the head of uh, planning for Kessler hotels. I was offered uh, Swan and Dolphin, you know, uh, hotel management, a lot of cool stuff, but I just really stuck with teaching. Because I know you didn't do it for the money. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. The the amount of money I turned down at the Kessler hotels to take on a thirty five thousand dollar year job is is still in the in the in in the for the first ten years I regretted it, and then I started really seeing comedy take off, and I was like, yeah. all right, well, this is really where I wanted to be. So I mean, I got there eventually. It just yeah. went the longer route. So. Yeah, because there's a few years of struggling in the beginning, because I remember doing that when I started, too, which was in 99. And I, when I tell people how much I made in 1999 when I started, because I was a radio disc jockey for years before that. And when the bottom started to fall out of radio, I went back, got my master's degree in education so I could teach. I was making 18.5 a year when I started. I took an $8,000 pay cut to go work as a teacher and yeah. people looked at me and said, you are crazy. I said, Hey, I said, eventually it will pay off. 
I'm still waiting for it to pay off 23 <laughs> years later. <laughs> the good news is my my good buddy, uh, Mike, is actually uh, a radio DJ and he makes still about 18.5. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you actually went the better route. <laughs> yeah, I went the better route. Um, but again, it, it, it is fun. It is fun to watch what you do because a lot of us can relate to it. Now, have, do you have other teachers responding saying, hey, you were in my class, you actually saw what was going on, or you've climbed into my head and you're thinking what I'm thinking. Yeah, all the time. I I've, I get a lot of messages from teachers and most of them are very appreciative. Uh, some of them, um, I, you know, ask for advice on classroom stuff or, or, or second jobs or getting out of teaching. Uh, some teachers, um, some teachers get mad. They think that I paint uh, teaching in a bad light sometimes. And uh, I, I, I engage in dialogue with them and, you know, we go back and forth and, and see, you know, where the problem lies. And, and, um, but yeah, a lot of, lots and lots and lots of messages and I can't get to all of them. I try to respond to most of them, but, uh, you know, sometimes people just say it's, it's exactly like my, my biggest surprise is how international it is. Oh, really? You know, I, I, yeah. Uh, all, all the time. Uh, even I did a full tour in Australia. We went to four different cities and I didn't have to change a joke because they were so uh, identical to what we were going through here. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, I, I find that hard to believe, actually. Um, another one is when you did your. Um, <laughs> I just lost me, but you did the one recently, which actually is very uh, timely, is the teachers that you meet at a Christmas party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was actually able to name every one of those teachers with who <laughs> I work with, which yep. was very interesting. So it's it's kind of fun. And the other one that I thought was really interesting is the story that you tell about how you were fired one day and then rehired the next day because of a, a snafu and paperwork. Yep. And uh, there was so many messages of people that also said the same thing. I, I actually was so concerned after posting that video with how many people told me that their districts lost their records. And I was yeah. like, man, it, it, I honestly was like, we need a national teacher registry or a national teacher database or something because it was just mind boggling. There were so many that had the same story as me. I mean, not even like a, a similar story. It was my district fired me because I didn't have certifications that I had already given them the, to get hired, you know? <laughs> I, I, let me tell you this quick story, but I, I actually, when I first started teaching in high school, in a high school, I got an email my first year and it was like, Hey, um, we need your certification, uh, a copy of it. And I said, well, you know, in my head, I go, well, that's our, that's available online. They can look right. it up. And I was like, and plus I have to be certified to teach. I, you know, they, they would be notified if I wasn't. And I, I didn't respond to the email. I just forgot. And, um, and then I, the next year, got the same message from the county saying, hey, we need your, uh, we need your, your certification. And I was like, hmm. I was like, what if I never respond to these? You know, are they ever good? And I made, it was a running joke that for eight years straight, I got the same email that they need my certification, but they never followed up. They never checked on it to see, and I never turned it in. And I always thought that was just like such a reflection on what we were going through. Somebody was checking certifications and never followed up and I could have never been certified. I don't know. 
Well, that relates to what you've been talking about recently with the whole teacher shortage thing that we're dealing with, not just in one area, but across the United States and the video that you did where you replace anybody with a teacher and have them do it. And you have this, this 18, 19, 20 year old coming in teaching a class <laughs> and, yeah, and, Mr. And, dating one, and dating one of the students, which I thought was hilarious because unfortunately we're dealing with college students right now that are coming in with emergency certificates to be able to sub. Yep. Uh, in fact, just yesterday, there was one that was arrested in a old school I used to uh, uh, frequent and, and, but they were a substitute. They were arrested uh, for being with the student, but the, the, I read it and they were 20 and I was yeah. like, you know, they were 20 years old and they were substitute teaching the class of, you know, who knows, 18, 19 year olds. I mean, when I first started teaching, I was 21. I was in a remedial reading class and I had students when I was 21 that were 19 and 20. Right. And so that's just, I mean, it, it's a very uh, difficult situation to have any sort of power when you're that, that old. It's a very gray area. You're right. And, and looking through all this and you did one about the, the union meeting. And I guess it was about a year ago that you did. Yeah. And it was funny because you're talking about, well, this is what we're doing. However, this is what's going to happen. And it was always opposite of what you were trying to achieve. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that one, I think out of all the videos I've done, got me the most backlash because people thought I was anti-union and I was like, no, I'm not anti-union. I said, I'm mocking the situation because it's always this way. Yes. And, and, and I said, we, we need, you know, if, if you are so mad at me, you should be more mad that we keep getting that scenario replayed over and over again. Yeah, I was I was briefly in in uh, uh, union hierarchy at one time was there for like three weeks. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not dealing with this anymore, because if no one's going to listen to me, there's no reason to do it um, because we kept we kept going in circles. There was no solution to any problem. We were just doing the same thing over and over again. And that's and that's the sad part. And you're seeing that with education is we're just doing it the way we did it before. And we're trying to move forward, even when we were stuck in a pandemic and trying to throw teachers in an online setting that they've never done before. That was, in my opinion, a debacle from the beginning because no one ever planned that way. Right. Yep. Nobody planned it. And and we didn't have any you know way of of really uh turning it into anything uh, positive. There was no, no framework and, you know, teachers obviously deserve the applause for, for coming, stepping up and, and doing it and trying to make it work the best they can. Uh, but also that I know that it was just a major cluster bomb where I was and we sat and, and, you know, at some point you just had to cross your arms and go, all right, well, this will pass. Hopefully yeah. we can get back to what we were doing before. You know, for every highly successful online teacher, to me, there were three or four of us that just ran around and had no clue what we were doing. And, you know, and so it made it very difficult uh, for sure. Uh, the other one I thought was interesting, too, because I think it happens to all of us that uh, the teacher on the evaluation day, that you have everything planned, ready to go, and everything falls apart for as soon as the admin walks in. Yep. And, and that happens uh, to me a million times, a million times. I, I, I think um, 
I think the the admin made it a note to visit my classroom anytime that my lights went out for a single movie and it would just be <laughs> and it would be something relevant, you know, but it would it would always be the worst possible scene in a relevant movie. Of course. That, you know, that I'm like, oh, gosh, why are they here? You know, yeah. at this moment. And and but evaluations were always nightmares. I'd have uh, students coming in and out and and. Uh, things breaking, internet would never work. You know, the the projector be off. All that stuff had happened to me at some point for sure. I've had them in the past where I think that the admin comes in and they don't really care what I'm doing. They're just trying to hide from everybody else for that 45 minutes or that hour, so they didn't have to deal with problems that they had going on in their office. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And then I've had it where they come in and they have their. Uh, uh, walkie-talkie on them and it's oh at God, uh, yeah. l- it's at volume 11 and <laughs> they just sit in the back and don't mind me you know it's like oh my gosh <laughs> well i i learned a long time ago because either if they were going to stay i i was able to throw something at them because i would involve them in the lesson mm. and i would say so let's see what Mr. So-and-so has to say about what we're talking about while you were young and you were growing up and what, and I gave a decade, whatever it was. And if they responded, I knew they were going to say, if they started to get uncomfortable, I knew they were going to leave early because they didn't want to be a part of the lesson. I'm going works for me. Right. (laughs) It diverted their attention and it made the kids relax because they realized they were willing to talk. Cause I've done that a lot of times, but uh, it's kind of interesting to hear these and, and do that. So, when you left teaching 13 years, what was the final straw that pushed you out the door? Um, it was a, a meeting that we had. So we had a, a Zoom meeting and the Zoom meeting was going over. We had teachers that were um, teaching from home. We had some teachers that were teaching from school. We right. had some teachers that were hybrid. We we had designed it to, you know, for the teachers that were the most uh, at risk, you know, could have an opportunity to be home and, uh, it was working well. And we just, I remember the zoom meeting was just where the County decided that they were done, uh, helping anybody. And it was basically them telling, uh, you know, I, I remember a specific point where there was like a 60 year old teacher that she was, she had ADA clearance to stay home, had a a husband that was at risk. And she was like, you know, I can't, I can't return to the classroom right now until I get a vaccine or something, some sort of reassurances. And I remember the principal was like, I don't really care. You need to be in on Monday. And, and the, this lack of human compassion and empathy and the we'll work with you there was, it was just ran out the door at that moment. And I just saw that it really wasn't, we had students that were very concerned, parents that were very concerned. And it just seemed like we had ignored the, the thing we were there to do, which was to, you know, care for these kids and their families and the teachers and our coworkers. And, and it was, it had become almost a, like a, uh, uh, a forced mandate on everybody that just didn't, I don't know. It, I didn't like the the vibe that it was giving off. It just seemed like nobody was happy. Nobody was going to be um, uh, cared for, thought about empathy was gone and it just didn't seem like a good environment. Okay. So that's really interesting. Cause when I went to school, when I was in elementary and high school, it was the uh, the seventies and early eighties. And when I was a kid, it seemed that school was much different. 
it, there was more compassion. Everybody was working with everybody and everything else. And not until the, the mid 2000s, 2010 through 2011, we started everything going out the window where the, the teacher became public enemy number one, because if anything went wrong, it was our fault. If taxes went up in our state, it was the teacher's fault. If if test scores were down, it was the teacher's fault. There was no responsibility on the parents or on the kids. Did you notice the same thing? Yeah, same shift. I noticed that even though I started teaching in 2000, um, when I started te- 2007. So I started okay. teaching in 2007. And between that that point and, and the point that I quit, I noticed the, the shift um, as well. I mean, there was a, a lot of uh, the human aspect of it kind of left. It became uh, more of a, a factory, a test factory, uh, you know, scores and money. And, right. you know, in the beginning, it was, um, you know, uh, co- people coming in talking about the child. And then it became, you know, literally, I remember having meetings with the the district superintendents and, and principals and stuff where they would talk about uh, kids as funding numbers. You know, and that was what it literally it became, you know, they're losing uh, 50 kids, you know, and uh, the funding is going to be off this year and the funding this and the numbers aren't going to add up. And and by the way, we have uh, I remember we had uh, Puerto Rican students that were coming in from the hurricane. So the hurricane devastated Puerto Rico. And uh, so. So the hurricane devastated Puerto Rico. and We had new students coming in and they were talking about funding right off the bat. And they were like, well, so how will the funding work for this? How will the funding work for that? And I was just like, their their entire home was just devastated by Puerto Rico. And first thing we're discussing is how much money we can get for these kids in the school. That's I, that's absurd to me. You know, why don't we talk about the kid? You know, and that, and that again, that that I think is very interesting, even during even during the pandemic and covid. Um, there was all this money that was given to the schools to work with the kids and help with internet to help with computers and everything else. And you never saw anything happen to it. It was like, where did it go? What what bank account was it put in? Yeah. And not only that, but one of the main reasons that we went back to -to face-to-face teaching in the height of the pandemic was because, and they openly said the numbers were down and they were like, oh, these students are withdrawing and they're going to start homeschooling and this and that. And it wasn't uh, good. I hope they, you know, are, are safer. I hope they survive. I hope that their family members at home, you know, are taken care of. It was, uh, we're losing money. We're going to lose money. Money's going to be, you know, and it was just like, the the kid that chooses to homeschool because he's got six generations, you know, under the same roof right, or whatever, exactly. that, that's, that's not, that shouldn't be our, you know, uh, uh, a punishment. You know, we shouldn't be trying to get that kid back. You know, it should be, well, take your time, do what you need to do, you know, take care of the family. And uh, if you need to re-enroll in school, we'll be here, you know, not let's force him back into the classroom so that, you know, he has no options. And that was the thing we did force like our our county originally said we are allowing you to move from virtual to uh, the brick and mortar. But we're also, if you are concerned, allowing you to move from brick and mortar to virtual. And about two weeks in when they had a lot of students drop, they decided to, to get rid of that option. And wow. yeah. So at that we point, were, yeah, where I where I'm at, we were virtual. We did the we did the hybrid model where we had half the kids in person, half the kids virtual, and we did it for a whole year. 
Now, is that the best way to have education? Probably not. Right. But we gave them the option, which I didn't realize that happened in Florida. So if you had to, and you have an 18-year-old that's graduating, and they want to go into education, would you talk them out of it, or would you encourage them to do it? Um, I'm not sure I would uh, necessarily talk them out of it. And the, the, so I... I, so here's the thing. I recently moved from where I was before to Orlando and my kids are in a school that I've gone to several events at, uh, you know, I see them out at uh, working lunch duty and, and car duty. And I've had several conversations with the teachers and administration and they love it. They love their job because they're in a very supportive school with, with really supportive parents. They have built like a, a, they've done an amazing job of building a community there. They constantly have community things and teachers and parents, this, and, you know, we're doing a show for the holidays and we're, we're sending out this for the parents. So much communication. I get probably three or four uh, calls or, or emails a day from the school telling me what's going on and, and what they're going to do. And they're going to have fun this. And, you know, tomorrow, don't forget your Grinch years, you know, everybody's right. doing Grinch tomorrow and the teachers are so happy. So to answer your question, you know, I would tell the student or tell my, my kid to pursue it, you know, but, but to look for schools like that. And if you're not in a school like that, build the school like that, you know, help build around it, build the community. There's too many, you know, I, I taught in a school that I loved and then I taught at a school where everyone was miserable and there was no no way out of it. The administration didn't care. Nobody cared, you know, and the kids were just, you know, uh, numbers and, and seats and faces. And that was it. If it's different, then I think it's it's an amazing career, you know. And, and I, th I think it can be, again, I agree with you. I think that if you have the right people in the right places, I think you can build it up again. But unfortunately, there's so many schools out there that are dealing with the negative aspect of what's going on because there isn't the support. There's not the support from the parents. There's not the support from the community. There's not the support from the school board, the county, whatever it may be. And we have so many people that are trying to defund education because they're looking at doing charter schools, they're looking at cyber schools, they're looking at all this. Because yeah. think about it, if you do a, if you do a charter, it becomes a business. If you do a cyber school, there's no building to maintain. So you don't have to worry about maintaining the physical structure. So I think that may have a little bit to do with it also, because they're looking at how, like you said, money, and always look at the money and see which direction it goes in. So again, I think it's very interesting. So when you when you do this stuff, do you do corporate events? Do you talk to schools? Do you um, go out there? How do you do? Where do you do your uh, your your act at? Yeah, so I do stand up comedy and just comedy clubs all around the nation. I'm uh, working on a tour with board teachers for this summer. Um, I also do speaking engagements. I'm signed with Premier Speakers Bureau, so I do speaking like keynotes and stuff. I've done some keynote speaking for software companies and education companies. Okay. I spoke at uh, Narcotics Anonymous and Clinicon and the National Firefighter Convention. And, uh, and those are a lot of fun. And then I've done a lot of professional development for schools. And uh, I hated when I was in uh, teacher professional development <laughs> because it was never relevant, never relevant to us, never did anything good. I, I would dread it and I would leave there with nothing. And so it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, they were like, hey, if you want to speak, you should look into designing a professional development. So I designed mine just with stand-up comedy in mind and, and having a good time 
And so it's kind of a, a different sort of professional development. It's gotten insane reviews. I mean, a five star across the board because it's it's literally a comedy show professional development where you're learning something, but you're also just getting joke, 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 joke of, you know, well-written material. And uh, I put a lot of effort into it. So that's that's been something I've, I've found is a lot of fun is I get there and they're like professional development and they they I can see it in their eyes and then I leave and they're like, man, I wish we had more of that, you know, right, so it's right. kind of cool. Yep. So, because just listening to you talk, you you have so much enthusiasm that I I think that if you put you in a room and had you the one in control of of, of trying to rebuild something, and if you had someone, if you had the whole buy in from the whole staff, I think you'd be able to do it. It's yeah, just- they loved it. Yeah, that that kind of stuff is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and I'm not the, I, I also went into it, not trying to change. Uh, there's too many times I think you can relate where you get a professional development speaker or, or something that the County wants you to do. That is, is literally trying to change the way you teach. And they're like, no, no change this. It's like, you want me to change something that I've been doing and been successful at for the past 20 years. And, you know, so my, my whole approach was just adding little things that can make your day better, the students day better, you know, and just uh, not really changing the dynamic of anything. It's all, all about incorporating humor and jokes into the classroom. So how long does it take you to put your, your videos together? A uh, long time. Uh, the I take uh, probably about two or three hours to just write them out. And it's just ideas, throwing things. I probably have about 40 videos halfway written or a quarter written on my uh, in my documents. And then um, I'll get like really into one and then it'll uh, write itself out. And then I, I shoot it, uh, edit it, post it. Uh, I post the captions. I do the captioning by myself and um and posting it on all the platforms editing it down for all the platforms it can take you know probably about i'd say beginning to end uh eight to ten hours okay so the one you posted about an hour ago a teacher's christmas carol how long did that take you to produce now that one was one take i believe and i just i read it as i in the book i was reading the book as i i opened it uh that one to write was probably about two or three hours to shoot was probably about 30 minutes and okay. edit it and stuff like that that one i did last year i just reposted it because ah. i thought it was uh real funny uh so yeah one of my favorites that you did recently um and I, i've tried actually i don't know if you did recently or not but you were doing the TikTok video dealing with deadlines and having kids hand stuff in. And I, up until the last few years, I've had so much trouble getting work in on time, especially mm-hmm. after the pandemic, because we always gave them extended deadlines, especially if they were virtual. Right. And that one right there is great, especially when you get cut off by TikTok because it was <laughs> only 30 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> that was I loved that video. Uh, did you read the comments on it? No, I didn't. <laughs> go into the comments because oh my goodness that one ignited an absolute firestorm from a big uh a big know-it-all teacher who 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 decided that it was not a joke and decided that um uh, deadlines by the way apparently are ruining education and students and we should Holy not have deadlines we should be exceedingly flexible and uh, never require anything on time and you know and it was it's always interesting because I put out these videos sometimes and they they 
will assume it's a serious or B right. that there's a real student behind this that I'm like, there, I'm talking to nobody. There's nobody there. It's a, literally <laughs> a joke. And, and this guy went all in. I mean, he probably had 30 comments on there just uh, yelling and arguing with people and me. And I was like, I don't even know you, man, but it just, it, it's the, the lovely aspect of the internet where people get to voice their, their opinions on things. Yeah, I just pulled it up, and there's one that's on top that said about the respect of the teacher, and I'm thinking, the video had nothing to do with that. I mean, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I don't even know if his stuff's still on there. I did not block him. I don't block people online. I've never blocked people, and uh, I just I feel weird blocking. I, if you want to voice something negative or not, it's free speech, whatever. Right. Uh, but the, just know that other people, myself included, may may respond to those uh, comments. And there's just a, but the, somebody just people were taking it entirely too seriously. What's funny is some of these comments have nothing to do with the video. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, it, where's where's planning at i mean where are we talking about it why are they giving them an ipad explain this to me <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's, it's it, again it just blows my mind the things that people come up with in their time and uh it, it is what it is <laughs> so you have to be enjoying all the feedback you're getting from especially the teachers that are able to relate to what you're doing yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's great. And it's awesome seeing teachers out. You know, I see teachers at shows. Sometimes I see teachers out and about. You know, I go to Disney World a lot. And all teachers will recognize me there and, and say hello. And uh, it's generally just really positive. And, you know, it's it's really cool because it shifted so much from uh, two years ago. So, when I, when I had people that would approach me when I first started doing videos, they were like, I love your videos. They're so funny. Now I get, I love their videos. Your videos are so funny and they helped me get through right. this year. And that's, that's kind of a cool thing is you just, you feel a little bit better. I mean, when I would do stand up, I would have sometimes people come after the show, go, you know, my, my husband just passed or, you know, I just went through a bad breakup and, and I really needed a nice night out with laughter and thank you, you know, it, and I feel like it's sort of that with teaching now that, that they, they have this kind of dark cloud hanging over their heads and it's nice to shine a little sunlight on them every now and then. Yeah. Cause coming, coming from my side of the screen, it's nice because a lot of us, and actually probably most of us think we're the only ones going through it. And yeah. we don't realize there's other people experiencing the same issues we are. And now because of some of the, some of the stuff that you have posted and everything else, that it gives us um, some type of camaraderie or some type of community to be able to discuss back and forth, unlike the, the comments I'm seeing here that has nothing to do with what you did. But for the most part, people are supportive. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is it's kind of a double-edged sword. Guys like you and I see it and go, uh, oh man, that's great. Somebody else is going through it. You know, let's laugh about it together. I also see a lot of brand new teachers that watch my videos and they're like, what do you mean? It doesn't change. <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? It doesn't get better. And, I've, and I have to be the one to break the bad news going, no, no, 13 years in still dealing with this. You know, they're like, they said my pay was froze just this year. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good. I never thought of it. My first five years, were wonderful 
And then when No Child Left Behind came in and was so focused on everything, that's when we started to see the shift up here. Oh, yeah. And we went through we had a, a Democratic governor, then we had a Republican governor and the Republican governor hated school teachers and was trying to, to basically break the union and so on and so forth. And now we have a legislature that that is anti-teacher, but we have a Democratic governor. It's just you're never happy. And why we've always given this power to people that have never taught before to make the rules. That's what yep. I don't understand. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's based solely, uh, you know, on the power of, of the purse, they have the money, you know, and, and they hold that power over your head constantly of the funding. And I mean, it's just, it's so crazy to me that we have press conferences where politicians announce a a bonus of $500 to a teacher. And, and that's a big deal. You know, it's like, that's, you know, look at the hourly that you you imagine the the owner of uh you know Chili's saying <laughs> I need a national press conference to announce a dollar an hour raise to all my you know waitresses. It would be a joke, but we don't we see it as as you know just fodder and political uh, uh pandering. Yeah, but the the thing's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned five hundred dollars because what it did was actually remind me. Did you see the news story that happened recently about the teachers at the hockey rink where oh, they yeah, threw yeah, yeah. the money oh, yeah. down and the teachers, it would literally look like they were just grabbing it for dear life. And, and the negative response that not only the hockey team did, but the sponsor of it got, why do you think we're putting teachers in a situation where they basically have to beg for money? Um. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. And it's sad because I would think overall, generally public support is teachers deserve more money. Teachers deserve more, you know, more funding for the classroom. I think the general public does believe that teachers are worth more than what we're actually giving them. Uh, but then you just have this, um, well, it's always been that way mentality. That, right. that, why improve it? I see that a lot of on my videos, especially the video about why teachers get paid less. And I kind of talk about women in this. And the number one thing that a number one comment I've been seeing lately uh, from these trolls is, yeah, you knew that, though. You knew that you teachers got paid yeah. Yeah, so little. So you, it's your fault. You went into a job that got paid so little. It's never you know, wow, this has been going on for so long. We should change it. Mm-hmm. It's always a, eh, it's just the way it is. It's the running joke. And it's, but it's a reality to so many. That, it's so that, sad, yeah. Yeah, that we're, we're just continuing to let the joke happen. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I was in a union meeting a couple years back dealing with a contract. And I stood up and made a comment. Another teacher said, you knew where you were going to work. You knew they didn't have money when they hired you. I said, I didn't know that 20 years ago. Now I know that. I said, I was new. I didn't know what was going on. But again, it's very interesting. And one of the comments that's on the post that we just talked about from from some guy named Robert, he's wearing a green shirt and he's bald. (laughs) Teaching is too (laughs) tragic and can't be turned into comedy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, guess what? Yes, it can. And it needs to be more because we have to laugh because if not, we'd be crying and uh, and it would be a situation we couldn't deal with. I don't know if you've seen the latest board teachers video, but, um, you know, I do a lot of obviously I do teacher comedy, but I write, uh, you know, I've written comedy for so long that I write comedy that I know is just going to be 
not necessarily so good that you overlook the problem, but at least it's going to distract from the problem a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they did a, um, a video of Santa reading a letter as if um, it's a, a teacher. Uh, if we treated Santa like we treat teachers, they got the idea from uh, videos that I did. If we treated okay. doctors like teachers, right. if we treated uh, airlines like teachers, but their version, I don't know who wrote it. Um, their version was funny, but also not funny enough to look past the sadness of the entire oh, yeah. situation. And that was the number one comment. They were like, it's funny, but I'm so super sad watching this. <laughs> and, I, and that's my goal is to make it uh, just funny enough that it does get you past the sad part. Cause there's so many times people go, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to just keep you laughing. That's all. Yeah. That, that's the goal. And one more before I let you go, because I think the students don't realize how much we know that they do, but you did one for board teachers a couple years ago when the student finally returns from the bathroom. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you basically in you recounted everything the kid did from leaving the room to where they went to looking for friends to go, and, and then actually coming back. I deal with it every day. Oh yeah. It's like, they think that, that, that we're, we're, we're dumb enough that we don't realize what they're doing. Yep. That, my favorite is when a child walks past the window of the room and another kid raised their hand goes, can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. And I'm like, why? To see the student that just yeah. walked past. What? What? You know, it's would just I, like, well, ugh. the one I love is when you hear the text and you hear the bing. And then all of a sudden the kid goes, raises their hand. Can I go? And it's like, why? Because your friend just texted you. That's where they're at right now. What are you doing? Because they think we don't realize. Right. Yep. But again, Devin, I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Um, so you're working on a new concert, your concert tour. Are you coming to Pittsburgh or Western Pennsylvania anytime soon? Yeah, that'll all be in there. Uh, sure. It'll be over the summer, but it's going to okay. be, you know, across the nation and, and Pittsburgh's a, a, one of the top stops. Uh, I think it's in our top five on that we have to go to. Cool. And I, I hopefully that that time I can actually see you and actually meet you and we yeah, can share, share horror stories <laughs> about, <laughs> for sure about what happened this year, at least what I'm dealing with. But again, David, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking time and uh, being able to talk with me today. Yep. Anytime you need me, I'm, I'm in my garage. and uh, <laughs> So I've got plenty so- to do. Before I, before I let you go, explain to everybody why you're in your garage. Yeah, I moved. So my studio moved because it was going to be an hour away. And uh, so I'm getting a new studio. But it, right now, I've just got this stuff set up in the garage to get peace and quiet and away from children and dogs. <laughs> I know what that's like. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> yep. But again, Devin, thank you very much. You have a great day and have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you. You too. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. Hey, a big shout out to Devin Siebold. Really appreciate it and have a really nice time talking to him about what we're dealing as educators in 2021 and 2022 coming up real soon and what we dealt with during the pandemic. A lot of these things we're all dealing with. That's not blaming anybody. It's just what the fact is. And for the most part, most of it made it through. Unfortunately, I know teachers that left 
after 13, 14, 20 years, whatever it may be. But again, thank you, Devin, for uh, making making light of a very heavy situation. We greatly appreciate it. And I appreciate you watching us here on One on One with Bill Alexander. Hey, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to One on One with Bill Alexander. One on One with Bill Alexander is a million dollar baby production. For more information, go to BillAlexander.net. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.